Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. It is Money Talk. It is Saturday. It is the 21st. My name is Danny Clayton. Looking over there at uh, Dave Spano. Good morning, Dave Spano. Nice to see you, Danny. Mark Oswald. How are you guys? guys? Good morning. Good. Great. Well, welcome in. Um, got a good show today. Got an interesting show today. Um, maybe I tore this from today's headlines, or at least my personal headlines, but you guys know what the gig economy is? Yes. Gig economy yeah, you is... you got a gig. Right. <laughs> you got a gig, and you actually, you've got a bunch of them that you string together. That's what a lot of people do. You know, right. freelance is bigger and bigger. Uh, the number, what they expect people to be gig economists or freelancers, it keeps going up. So how do you pay taxes on that? So good thing we have Mandy. So we're right. gonna, Mandy's going to come in, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today on the Ma- show. And Mandy's our tax planner. Yeah. Also, a little bit later on, going to talk to Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer. You hear people that get really passionate about certain brands, and we've got a couple of great ones here in the Milwaukee area. But, I mean, if you love Harley-Davidson, does that mean you run out and get it? Do you buy what you're really, really passionate about? Is that dangerous? You know, if you love Apple, do you go out and do it? I've, I had a friend, that I'll, I'll tell you more about him, but love Pixar. Well, he got wrecked on that one. Right. But you think about Harley-Davidson and the brand that they have. I mean, think about these people put their brand on their shoulders and walk around with it. Now that's brand value. It's got to be something. Did right? you see what they're doing? They're, uh, they're doing a summer internship program for juniors and seniors, and they get to ride around the country on a Harley for the summer and get the biker experience. And at the end... They get to keep the motorcycle. No way. Yeah. Sign me up. You exactly. know, it's interesting because that, that's a gap that they think is in their customer base. Yeah. The, the millennials or the, the 20-somethings aren't quite jumping on those big, beautiful machines. Yeah, you bet. They're going for the, the rockets or they're going for scooters. Right. Guys, as uh, kind of look back at the week that was, um, any any themes that you saw? I mean, Derek will talk a little bit more about that. But We ended down 200 points, which was interesting because we, as we went into earnings season, we'll talk to Derek about this, but there was a lot of anticipation for a great earnings season, Mark. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I, I think that that anticipation was not misplaced. You know, we've got a lot of companies that are going to still report, but when your expectations are so high, and they were high, you know, we talked about 18% beats or 20% beats, you know, when your expectations are high and then you hit that expectation, there's a lot of traders that then sell that news. And that is, and we've seen that for years, obviously, is to buy the rumor and sell the news, right the rumor being that we're going to see this great earnings report, and we're confident we still are going to see it. In fact, we'll probably be above the 18% that's expected, and when that happens, the market will react. But again, later in the show, we'll talk to Derek about the price and the earnings ratio, the P and the E, and now that the earnings are going up, what happens to the prices. be a great conversation. As always, you can check out our website at AnnexWealth.com. Lots of information. One thing that we uh, recommend is make sure to uh, sign up for Axiom, which is the free weekly newsletter. I wrote my first uh, blog post for that. You did. You know, know, maybe we should tell everybody about your new gig, too. 
My new gig is I'm working for Annex Wealth Management. It's funny, guys. I mean, after, after what, three years that we've been together, uh, I'm part of the team, and it's been a, a really, really fun week. Yep, we had you in the office all week long, and, uh, you know, as in the axiom, people see that, but we create content all day long, and you being in the office, you'll see that the studio is used all week long. It's used a lot, and one of the things that, as I was in the studio, I saw the meetings that you guys were always talking about when, when people come in, and they're, it's just regular folks they're they're coming in husbands and wives and sitting down and and looking at the information it's pretty fascinating and, you know in the interesting part mark i'm sorry but you know the interesting part about that is everybody is different i mean the two couple a couple may come in and they're both 55 and they both have a similar income but guess what? Their situation is totally different than the next person. Well, what's been really neat about doing the show for these last 13 years has been the number of people that we've had the opportunity to meet and the diversity of the people that we've had the opportunity to meet. We've met doctors and we've met high earners and we've met people that you know, are your next door neighbor. And, and you don't know who the typical listener is of this show. There's people that have listened for a decade and then have finally decided there's a point in their life where they don't either want to do it themselves anymore or there's been an event and they need to get some help. And so we're doing that all week long. At you know, we do a hundred and some odd meetings every week with clients and throughout list, throughout our six throughout branches. our six branches yeah. and clients and listeners of our show that come in. And and uh, you know, you're right, Dave. They're they're all different. And that's the fun part about financial planning is everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got a different goal, and it really makes the job a lot of fun. Can I confess one thing? I truly thought, and maybe this is because of media or movies. I truly pictured an investment firm like Annex. People staring at the stock tickers all day long and staring at CNBC, and it, it's just not like that. It's just you guys are going about business and you're doing your thing. A glance once in a while, but it's not fixated on those markets. Well, the people that you see are the financial planning team and, at yep. work with all, all of the clients, and that's important because that is the difference. And you, when you come in and you meet with the team of financial planners, you have you have uh, tax planners, you have estate planners. All of these people are employees of Annex Wealth Management, and we avail the whole team to every person who comes in. And Dave, that's a big part of the know the difference message that we get out every week on the show, and certainly our clients have come to understand. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about some changes that are coming about from the SEC, at least some proposed rules, to the fiduciary rule. And we've talked now for years on the show about the fiduciary rule, and there's some changes that are coming. A thousand pages, a thousand page proposal came out of the SEC to deal with consumer protections and how you know the difference, and we're going to talk about that as we close the show. Let me guess, you're about halfway through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keeping me up at night. Okay. If you have a second or even third job, you want to listen next. Our tax planner, Mandy, is in. That's next. Money Talk on WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, April 21st. My name is Danny Clayton, and sitting with me is Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. Mandy, good to see you. Thanks for having me today. So are you recovered from last week? I, mean, I it, am. Is that like the NCAA? <laughs> is that the final four? Is that is that everything? Is that a hard time? It is. So yeah, it's a really busy time, and then I always take a day off right afterwards to recover, and I go shopping. So that, that's economic then, it, right? Exactly. There you go. Okay. Hey, I want to talk about the 
gig economy. It's getting a lot more attention. There was a study by Intuit that predicted by 2020, 40% of American workers might be independent contractors because we're mobile. You can do work from anywhere. I know employers are are sometimes preferring to contract employers Mm -hmm. better. But I know that there's tax ramifications and pitfalls. Let's talk about a side hustle first off, right? Jobs that people might do in conjunction with regular full-time employment. Again, it's Saturday morning. People might be going to a second gig there. The typical part-time job... How many come with paycheck that where taxes are taken out? What are those circumstances? Right. So with a normal job, we all file a W-4, have our withholdings kind of selected. But if you have that part-time job or that second job where you're making another election, you need to have taxes taken out on that as well. So you just have to be careful when you've got that side gig or if you're freelancing, that's a whole different tax situation. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're we'll get, get to, to that. that. But for that second job, you just have to be sure that you've fill out that W-4 accurately and that you're not under withholding for taxes. The W-4 for that second job is different than the first? Yes. When you fill out a W-4, you basically say, how many people are you claiming now? It's a little different with tax law changes and that thing. But if you fill out for your first job that you claim yourself, and now you fill out for your second job that you claim yourself, can't claim yourself twice, let's say. So that's, you know, that's the pitfall where a lot of people go is they go, okay, oh yeah, I'll claim myself here, and then they go to their second job. Well, yes, you know, I'm still a person, but you may be counting yourself twice for tax purposes. So if I just get that regular check and taxes are taken out, I should not assume that everything's fine when it comes to filing. No, you should not assume. You may be slightly underwithheld, especially for... um, if you waitresses, mm-hmm. waiters, you know, with tips, that's a thing you just have to be extra careful on as far as withholding because that may be a little different. We hear the term 1099 a lot. Can you explain what that is? Sure. So a 1099, that's for when you're saying freelancer or independent contractor, that's what the business will issue you. They won't withhold taxes. They won't withhold FICA, which is Medicare and Social Security. They'll just give you $10 an hour. Here you go. Sure. Here's your pay. And then they'll issue you a 1099 at the end of the year. It's great when you're getting those checks, but at the end <laughs> of the year, they can bite you, right? Exactly. You know, getting those nice big paychecks up front are nice, but you've got to understand that there's there's no taxes taken out. Even if you're in a low income tax bracket, you still have to pay FICA, still have to pay, you know, Medicare and Social Security. And when you're a 1099, you're self-employed. You have to pay not only your portion, but the business portion as well, because you're considered to be both the employee and the employer. Er. Yes. Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner at Annex Wealth Management, is with us. So let's talk about the ultimate slippery slope, which is cash. Where, where do you even go with that? So in the IRS's eyes, Income is taxed from whatever source derived. So if I give you $100 for whatever service it may be, you do have to pick it up on your tax return. I may not be required to issue you any tax form. It's really kind of the honor system where the IRS says, okay, here's the threshold, $600. If I'm an employer and I need some help, some part-time help, don't want to issue my W-2, don't have to per those employee standards. If I don't pay you more than 600, I don't have to issue this form. I can just give you the cash. And then it's really up to you to report it if you're the one receiving it. When, when people are freelancers, um, is there a formula that they should follow to accrue properly for taxes? There's not a hard and fast rule. Um, you just want to make sure you're, you're at least covering the FICA, which is, we'll say, about 15% for federal. Um, and then if you have income tax on top of that, that could be you know, 10 12%, depending on what tax bracket you're in. And don't forget about the state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They want their about 6% as well. So when you add that all up, it can be a quite a hefty tax bill. 
Sometimes people are doing the side hustle just to make ends meet, but would a tactic of directing side income to like a retirement account, would that help with lessening the tax burden? Does that put it in a place that lowers taxes? Yeah, so if you're self-employed, there are various types of saving vehicles similar to an IRA or 401k that you can have. You can take that earnings, put it into, let's say, a SEP IRA, which is for a self-employed individual, and get a deduction for it, but you still have to pay the FICA tax. That doesn't go away with retirement savings. Oh, you're making us so responsible. Okay. I know. <laughs> Just real quick, home offices. I've read that writing off a home office, does this be for freelancers who really do everything on project basis? Right. Is yep. that a red flag for the IRS? Uh, yes and no. So yes, if you're trying to take every little expense that's out there for your home office and your utilities, your insurance, your internet, you know, your chair. What the IRS did a couple of years back is they said, okay, we see this as kind of a red flag area. Let's simplify this. So they came up with a simplified home office deduction, which is you work from home, we'll allow you to deduct $5 per square foot of your office okay. rather than taking all those expenses and trying to bifurcate them out. Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Never get less than your money's worth. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. My name is Danny Clayton. Good morning, everybody. Dave Spano, good morning. Nice to see you again, Danny. Derek Felsky, how are you? I'm great, Danny. Good. Ready to rock. Uh, what do we know about earnings? What can you tell us? Well, the earnings season so far has been actually better than last quarter. The beat rates are roughly 80% on both top line and earnings. Um, in addition, uh, forward guidance has been good. And what we're really waiting for, Dave, is you know some, some acknowledgement of what dividend increases may follow and uh, what sh share buyback activity may occur. So these earnings that are coming out, it was highly expected that we're going to have a great earnings season. And it was because of the tax breaks that these corporations have got. But when you talk about top line, explain what that means to our listeners. Well, top line, you, ca you can't make up top line. And essentially, the forecasts were for about 7.5% top line growth in the S&P 500, and that number is coming in closer to 8.5%, which of course filters down to higher earnings. So it's not just the taxes, it's also you know the strength of the global economy, the strength of corporate fundamentals, uh, the willingness on the part of investors to, to look towards you know better times ahead, essentially. Right, so you've got top line being sales, more sales, and more bottom line because of, of better operations and the tax break, and therefore companies are earning more. And that's the earnings that we talked about earlier in the show. Earnings are up. So what is that doing to the proverbial P to the E, the price to the earnings ratio? Well, what it's done is the S&P is now about 7% off its all-time high. So at the same time that the S&P has been correcting on the downside, earnings have been surprising on the upside. So the multiple, the PE, as you just said, has actually gone down. So we're basically back to the levels we were in 2015, 2016 on a forward-looking basis. And that is interesting because a lot of people have come forward and said, boy, valuations are getting heavy. It looks like the market may be overpriced. But as you just said, we've had better earnings and prices came down. And the combination of those two things make the equities market look more valuable than they were in the last couple of years, actually. It, it does. I mean, the challenge that the market faces now, and we've talked about this a lot recently, is that with interest rates starting to rise, the relative attractiveness of dividend-paying stocks is lessened, right? So, for example, the two-year note is up to 2.4%. Now, historically, for the last several years, you talked a lot about how you got you got more from dividends than you did from, from yield on a two-year treasury, but that's not the case anymore. And I think that's one of the things the market's wrestling with, better fundamentals but higher interest rates. And the reason why we've talked about that for a long time is that has been a standard, and you think about it in these terms. You can either buy a treasury from the United States government and know that you're going to get your principal back and get 
get 2%, or you could buy a diversified basket of stocks that are going to pay you 2%, and the likelihood that that basket's going to appreciate over time is significant. So you can see why people have done that in the past. Well, and you also do it, too, because at, at a level, stocks are a good hedge against inflation. So as prices rise, earnings rise, the multiple stays the same, the valuation of the stock goes up, so you get capital appreciation plus dividend income. And, and Derek, what are these companies doing with all of this extra money? Because that has been a concern. Well, we're, we're waiting to see. I mean, I've seen forecasts that roughly 20% of the cash, the excess cash that's been generated by the tax cut is going to go towards share buyback activity. It remains to be seen how much it will, will invest in the business. For example, the other thing that's often missed is that on a CapEx basis, you can now fully deduct capital expenditures this year, which ought to lead to lots of upgrades of plant and equipment, investments in computers and the like. How do we find out what a company's going to do with that money? Well, it comes out when, the, when they report their earnings, there are also statements that they make, okay. and that's a very important part. It's just not the number. It is what they say afterwards because they give you guidance of what they're going to do with that capital. That's within the guidance? It comes with the okay. guidance. That's correct. Right. You know, let's switch topics for a second and talk about uh, something much more granular, and that's semiconductors. And we watch that, and that is something we watch because of its involvement in technology, but more important because of its international play as well. Right. So, for example, this week we heard a, a couple of semiconductor companies guide down. Lamb Research, which is a large semi-capital equipment company, dropped 7% when they, t- they talked about disappointing shipping outlook for the balance of the year. And Taiwan Semiconductor, which is one of the largest semiconductors in the world, lowered their full-year revenue guidance from a, 10 to f- a range of 10 to 15% down to 10%. And so basically, semiconductors sold off most of the week. In addition, Qualcomm got some pushback from the Chinese. They're trying to buy NXP and kind of probably as a reaction to what the Trump administration did with the Broadcom uh, Qualcomm deal, the Chinese now have 180 days with which to review the Qualcomm's new application. Okay, that's semiconductors. Apparently nobody's smoking anymore. What happened to Philip Morris? I know Philip Morris had its its worst day in years. Um, you know, at, at Annex Wealth Managed, we manage portfolios tactically, and for the longest time, we've had basically zero exposure to consumer staples, primarily because they had been driven up as yield-hungry investors were chasing yield. But the, the, the ability of these businesses to generate the type of free cash flow that leads to dividend growth wasn't there. Thanks, Derek Felsky. All right, uh, just about the bottom of the hour. As we celebrate on uh, Saturday, April 21st, a very, very nice Bucks win last night. just want to remind you, again, here's your final, 116-92. to 92. Game 2 is going to be tomorrow at noon. just want to remind you that uh, AnnexWealth.com can be a great site where you can go and you can check out our events. And we really urge you to check out the events. These are not seminars. They're conversations, okay? Retirement. Roadmap is the next one that's coming up. That is May 9th. That is going to happen at the Delafield office, which is on Sun Valley Drive. The Delafield office, it's called Retirement Roadmap, starts at 6 o'clock, goes till about uh, 7.30. Very casual conversation. You'll learn a lot. You do not have to be a client. But again, Retirement Roadmap for Delafield. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Bottom of the hour, let's get caught up and go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center and Tony Bedock. Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for the 21st. Uh, finally, a good day. My name is Danny Clayton. Joining me is Dave Spano, President, Annex Wealth Management. Our Chief Investment Officer is Derek Felsky. How long is it going to take me to not chuckle when I hear the fear and greed index? That's a real thing. It is a real thing. And Derek, we, you know, we do watch this on a weekly basis. Yeah, and it, it is a measure of, of market sentiment. It looks at various indicators, some of them technical, some of them from the credit market, some of them from the volatility index and whatnot. And after being pinned at the very low end, uh, 
number below 10, which would, we would categorize as extreme fear. We're now towards a more neutral reading of 38, which is still fearful, but not anywhere near what it was a month ago. So there's a scale 0 to 100, 0 being very fearful, 100 being very greedy. And of course, the famous Warren Buffett saying is when people are greedy, be fearful. When they're fearful, be greedy. Well, right now we're at a 38, which is more on the fear side than on the greed side, but up significantly over the last couple of weeks. It is. And, and what, I, what I was looking at a couple of days ago was that if you remember the bottom we made, we made a bottom in February and the S&P rallied about 10%. The fear and greed index got as high as 40. And what you do notice in, in weaker markets, it's very hard for that fear and greed index to get much above 50. So I think people need to be a little bit more cautious at this point. You know, the market has gone up on what has been called the wall of worry. And there is certainly a lot of stuff to worry about. And when we talk to clients, and, and Derek, and, and you've been in some of these meetings, they are fearful of a lot of things, both political, geopolitical, and other. They are. And, you know, the thing that I always like to point out to them is that this is not a normal um, business cycle, right? The, the recovery from the bottom in 2009 has been much more muted than what we've seen historically. And rarely after an eight-year upturn of the business cycle do you see fiscal policy of such an expansionary nature. So those two combined suggest to some that this bull market can continue for a while longer, although it is going to be more volatile than it was last year and the prior years because the cyclicality of earnings is going to be a more important determinant of where the S&P goes. And when you talk about a muted recovery, we look at the length of this recovery, and it's now the second longest bull market that we have on record and likely to eclipse the longest because we're not that far behind. Right. I think it's another six months. Okay, is that something that's too good to be true? Should we be fearful about that? No, but I think you've got to be more circumspect. I think you really, you know, it's, it's, I think it could be a really good time for active managers, stockbrokers, if you will, because a lot of these rallies have been driven by indexing. And, and, and as we see it during this earnings report, you'll see some companies that report great earnings, the stock responds, others report disappointing earnings. And one of the nice things about being tactical is we can zero in on areas that we believe have more upside potential than others. And of course, there's a lot of people who will argue that point because of the pure reason that indexes have done so well over the last eight or nine years, and it could be because of the Fed put, if you will. Right, but you know, one of the old sayings in the investment business is past performance is no guarantee of future results. And so one thing we have to do is look at relative valuations between asset classes, compare U.S. stocks, say, to overseas markets, because, for example, the U.S. stock market on a forward P.E. basis, while it is more reasonable than it was three months ago, is significantly higher than an index of, of global companies. Companies. Let's change course for just a second. So we often watch the yield curve, and the yield curve is really what short-term interest rates are in comparison to longer-term interest rates. And right now, the Fed obviously is in the is in the mode of raising rates, and have said they're probably going to do another three at least this year. And while that's happening, we're watching the ten-year. The ten-year yield got up to two point nine six percent on Friday, just below the three percent mark. Yeah, a new a new four-year high, and. If, if one were to draw the downtrend line from the bull market that began in bonds in 1981, we're, right, we're pressing against it. So I don't have to tell you that if we break, breach that 3% level, we could see rates rise pretty quickly for a short period of time. Derek, you got to stick around. i got a question uh, about stocks for companies that you love maybe too much and you shouldn't invest. All right, so we're going to talk about that. You talked about that earlier, Dave, and we talked a little bit about Harley-Davidson. When you tattoo somebody's logo into your shoulder, that means something. Yeah, that's but brand value. Is that a right? stock? Yeah, right? well, that's okay. a brand value, and people 
people look at Harley Davidson, and you know that has a great brand value, particularly in uh, this market, of course. Sure does. But you think about other brands around the world. You know, people have iconic brands. You don't see people putting Coca-Cola or McDonald's on their shoulders, even though they have a sure. great brand as well. So I think that's a great topic to have with Derek. You know, I think in a way he ended that was very interesting as well because the reason why we are concerned about recessions, not only because it's a contraction in the economy, but usually bear markets and recessions are tied together almost in almost in every circumstance. And a bear market is a down 20% in the equities market. So we pay very close attention to those markers to say, are we going to have a recession? Because that could foretell a bear market. And that's the reason why we pay so much attention to all these economic indicators. So you got to be good at math for that, I'm going to guess. Well, you do. And of course, Derek and his Dartmouth education and Wharton education certainly has that. Which, by the way, as I've learned a little bit more in my new role here at Annex Wealth Management, I've been touring around the different areas. And I found we have an Excel wizard here. I mean, we've got analysts that are amazing. Yeah, you know, the whole financial planning department is really important as well because that's what they do. You know, we take all this information and the relationship managers sit down and everyone's circumstance is different. And when we bring this in, we don't ship it off to some place sure. in New York City or Boston. We do the work right here and it's interactive. And that's what really clients like is once we have that information in and we say, all right, what if I do this? What if I retire in 62 versus 65? When do I take Social Security? Those are all toggles that we can move, and it's a really uh, illustrative situation that the clients can see. You know, it's interesting because on the website, and I've said this just by nature of, of hosting the show with you guys, the difference is the team, it is technology and it is trust. The team is so much deeper and wider than I ever imagined. I mean, I knew you guys had a lot here. Right, we, 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 but now now we have another talent with you <laughs> in the room. Right. We had we moved out an office just for you, and then the technology here is staggering. It is, and we've spent a lot of money on technology because it helps our clients. And you know, obviously, this artificial intelligence. You know, some advisors are afraid of it. We're embracing mm -hmm. it because it makes us more productive, and the clients like it. it. You know, we just did a presentation the other day, and a calculation that used to take hours takes seconds now. That makes us more productive. And then we get into the final thing, which is trust, which is, you know, uh, Annex has been around for how long? Uh, 20 years, 20 uh, years coming right. up on 20 years, about about $2 billion under management, all here uh, in southeastern Wisconsin, right. uh, you know, the, the, up in the valley, and of course down in northern Illinois, and those three spots make up 95% of our clientele. And 13 years doing a radio show. 13 years of doing this radio show. This We've radio done radio on right. other places for longer, actually. All right, it's Money Talk, Addicts Wealth Management, 1042 at WTMJ. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, April 21st. My name is Danny Clayton. A little story. Years ago, a graphic designer co-worker of mine was completely in love with Pixar. He loved the movies. He loved the company. He loved the whole thing. So when the company went public, he bought in when he could. And if I remember correctly, it was when, like the first week that he bought. It was after the initial increase. I also remember him being underwater for a long time afterwards. So if people love iPhones or Harley Davidson. Should they invest or do they invest in the company? Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Officer at Annex Wealth Management joins me on Money Talk. So, Derek, what's a good investing rule of thumb if there is when it comes to buying what we love or at least what we're familiar with? Well, in some ways, when you think about owning a stock and a company, you know, there are two different things. There's the stock and then there's the company. We might love the company, but the stock may be very expensive. And what I always think about is like owning a stock is kind of like a beauty contest. What you basically want to do is buy a company or bet on a contestant who you think other people will think is pretty. 
So if you're early in that phase, that's a great thing. But if you're late, if the valuation isn't attractive, it may not be the best way to approach things. So you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, there have to be countless times that you've seen emotion take over instead of in intellect when it comes to investing. Well, they say, you know, fear is temporary and greed is permanent. Market volatility, you know, don't get caught up in the emotions of headlines and, and the like. And that's why, you know, I advocate really have a very disciplined plan in terms of valuation parameters, target prices, scaling in, scaling out of positions, taking advantage of volatility in an opportunistic way. Have you ever heard of the, the thing that some parents do to kind of demonstrate how stock market works a little bit is maybe for a kid, they'll buy like a single share of a child's favorite company. Maybe it's Mattel or Nike or something to demonstrate. Have you seen that work? Does that work? Well, my, my great uncle, who was a specialist on the floor of the stock exchange, did exactly that with me. He bought me five shares of General Motors, five shares of a company called Syntex, which is been long acquired. And, and what it teaches you is, you know, the idea of saving and savings important. And, you know, I can't stress it enough that, you know, like my kids, I, I want them to put away 15% of their salary and learn to budget. And by doing that over time, if you do that, you'll end up with a big pile of money at the end of the road. It's interesting because I've got a son who's you know, your typical millennial and he's been telling me, he, he was telling me for months and months, dad, you've got to look into Bitcoin and he got burned. The safest lesson for me is if I don't understand the business, I don't want to buy it. And I've tried to get my wrap my arms around Bitcoin, and all I came out of was that's a greater fool theory type stock. You're buying something because you hope someone will pay more. But I didn't fully understand the underlying uh, dynamics there, and I, I frankly still don't. And I think, you know, in terms of what I think about what we're going to do with our clients' money, we're going to invest in what we know, focus on fundamentals, measurables, valuation criteria, and stay away from overhyped speculative stuff. Derek Fels Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, joining me on Money Talk. Now joining me is Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management and sommelier, Deanne Phillips. <laughs> hey, Deanne. Hi, Danny. How are you? So I, Good. I saw a lot of uh, wine bottles here from the other night. What was going on? There were. Well, I certainly wouldn't call myself a sommelier, but thank you very much. But we have our Women, Wealth, and Wisdom group. Sometimes we call it Women, Wine, and Wealth okay. group that met this last week. We were talking about estate planning, uh, and yes, even though it was at our office. Sometimes we do have wine. Sure. What comes up with those? Well, this one in particular, we were discussing legacy and creating a legacy after we're gone and what that means. And it really comes in a couple parts. The first part is having your estate planning documents in order. So understanding, you know, do you have your will? Do you need a trust? What is a trust exactly? And what are the powers of attorney that I need for health care and finances? And how do I go about and when's a good time to go about getting all this together, right? And then we also talk about, because that's really kind of getting your affairs in order, but there's also how we want to be remembered. So we talk about legacy planning like... Do we want to set up a scholarship fund in our family's honor? Or do we want to make sure our grandkids and great-grandkids remember us forever with a perpetuity gift or something like that? Nice. Okay, when's your next thing? We have another one coming up in the middle of May. We will not be at our annex location then. We will actually be at Water 2 Wine, making wine, talking about passion assets. The Women, Wealth, and Wisdom Group is open to any woman, anywhere. You don't have to be a client of annex. They're always bring a friend. Uh, and if you'd like to be a part of that group, you can call us or email us, and we'd be glad to put you on the list. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning, Development, and 
Sommelier. <laughs> Sometimes sommelier. Sometimes sommelier. Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dave Spano, President, Annex Wealth Management. So these aren't seminars. We don't call them seminars no, in Annex. Yeah, no, they're workshops. And obviously, Deanne does a great job. And thank you, Deanne, for, for coming in this morning. But these are workshops, and they're interactive. And the reason why we like to do that is because in the old days when people said seminars, they would think about the chicken dinners and the insurance salesman trying to lock you in a room and turn up the heat until you bought something. That's not what this is. This is an opportunity for people to get to know us, to have an interactive presentation, to ask their questions and get an answer in an unbiased. Have you seen a room kind of come alive very slowly? People aren't talking and then there's a certain point when maybe you've got the talkative guy or the, and then all of a sudden it lets loose. Yeah, you pop the top, as I like to say, and usually it's the first person who asks the question and they want to know how, how that went, how the question got answered, and then, then you'll, you'll follow up with a number of other questions that happen after that. Because, you know, if one person has the question in the room, it's like that somebody else is thinking the same thing. That's what we try to do on this show, right? I mean, that's kind of one of the roles that I've tried to take is to be the regular guy, and I'm not afraid to ask a dumb question. As it turns out, there's not that many dumb questions. I mean, it's just I don't know. I'm fairly good at some things and maybe investments and thinking about taxes and all those things is not my thing. It's a complex topic, and the reason why you think about our team and the reason why I've built this team the way we did is because no one person can be an expert, and I see that a lot and insurance agents or, or stockbrokers, they try to be experts in all things, and they just can't. reason why we have lawyers on staff, CPAs on staff, CFAs, money managers on staff, because together we form a team, and that is the difference. It is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Rise and shine with Gene and Jay. Game for the NBA playoff series between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks happening Sunday. What's the Monday morning outlook for the team? We discuss at 7.51 Monday morning. Wisconsin's Morning News with Gene Miller on WTMJ. There I was outside doing some yard work when I noticed my neighbor looking over his windows. He's climbing up and down his ladder, and I hear him holler to his wife, Honey, we're going to need a few new windows. So I took a walk over and said, Hi, Ron, do you mind if I take a look? He said, go right ahead. And I said, you know, the window itself, which is the framework to the glass here, looks fine. And the sill, which is the bottom of the framework, that's fine too. It's the glass that needs replacing. The seal must be broke and that lets in the moisture we're seeing. That's why your windows are fogging up. And he said, so I don't need new windows? And I said, no, actually, if you want, I can have the glass replaced and they'll basically be as good as new. And believe me, it'll cost you a lot less than replacing these. This is Stacy Sinks with Les's Glass Service. If it's a new glass shower door, fogged or broken insulated glass replacement, or affordable glass and mirror home decor that you've been looking for, you just can't pass on Les's Glass. Les's Glass Service, serving all of southeastern Wisconsin. Find us at lessglassservice.com. Heated delivery trucks and convenient carryout make it easy to enjoy Marty's Pizza, subs, and Italian entrees. But dining in here is a great idea, too. Marty's Pizza, Brookfield or Delafield. For Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's showroom directory, visit PellaWI.com slash radio. Hey, it's Jeff. So the folks at MyPillow said, Jeff, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? Well, I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? Well, I'll tell you what I did lose. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need MyPillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it. Return it. MyPillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? I don't think so. You can toss a MyPillow pillow in your washer and dryer, and it's like new again. Try doing that with your pillow and see what happens. And it's made in the U.S. 
USA. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and enter the promo code WAGNER. You'll get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for half off. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and enter the promo code WAGNER, or call 800-953-4163. Be sure to use the promo code WAGNER. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. It is a Saturday. It's the 21st. Finally a decent day, guys, right? Yeah, you bet. Been, it's been crazy. Uh, uh, it's, uh, winter is officially over, I declare such. <laughs> Good job. That's Thank Dave you. Spano, President, Annex Wealth Management, and Mark Oswald, Chief Compliance Officer at Annex Wealth Management, as we bring this thing in for a landing. I think it's a pretty good show today. I mean, I just, I'm going to root for my own segment, which is learning more about the uh, you know proper ways to do taxes when you have second and third jobs, the gig economy. Right on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and why Derek tells us, don't get too emotional about what we're buying. Get smarter. Certainly some other things this week, and we talked about it at the top of the show, was some evolution in the SEC's movement towards a fiduciary standard. You know, And, and just a bit of history, Dave. I mean, you know, we look back to the Dodd-Frank Act of 2010, and they charged the SEC with coming up with a standard of care for investors. And, you know, here we are 2018, and we're still getting proposed rules out of the SEC. The DOL stepped in a few years ago under then-Secretary Thomas Perez, and came up with a standard, and that's been bantered about and beat up pretty good. And, you know, the, the brokerage business and the insurance agencies did a pretty good job of co-opting that idea of a fiduciary and trying to carve out a piece for themselves so that they'd still be able to, you know, sell commission product and high-cost product in some cases, proprietary products in some cases, sales contests and all that kind of stuff. So the proposed rule right now I think is is designed to have some clarity. And you look at what happened is ultimately the DOL rule got challenged. And the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals threw it out. And, you know, the, the ERISA now has until April 30th to appeal that ruling. Otherwise, that DOL rule goes away. And, and we expected that that might happen. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation about what could happen. And, you know, we have said that there's some holes in that rule because really this idea only applied to per people's retirement assets. Yeah. And that and that was an interesting uh, take on it because how does someone come in and say, all right, I'm gonna, for this part of your money, I'm going to be a fiduciary, and on the rest of your money, I'm not? And, and that's obviously a gaping hole. So what, what's come out of this now is they've done away with the retirement versus non-retirement asset. They've looked at the people that are in our business. Are you a fiduciary? Are you not a fiduciary? And in a perfect world, you draw a bright line in between people who are advisors slash fiduciaries and people who are salespeople, people who have been set to the suitability standard for all these years. Now, what they've come up with is what they call regulation best interest. And regulation best interest essentially says if you're a broker, if you're a salesman, if you're an insurance person that's selling product, and we've talked a lot about that on this show, you have to act in the client's best interest. That's really nice, but they have preserved the fiduciary standard for investment advisors like Annex Wealth Management. So you still have these two tiers of service, legal obligations to a client that are different. The fiduciary standard is the higher standard. We're a registered investment advisor. Registered investment advisors are held to the fiduciary standard. Broker-dealers are held to a suitability standard, or in this case now, the best interest regulation. And you have to understand that difference. The problem with the best interest standard is it's undefined. So when the SEC comes out with this 1,000-page proposal on a rule, they don't define what the best interest is. So we know that today, 
the brokerage firms are still, under, even under the new standard, are going to be able to have the sales contests. They're going to be able to sell proprietary products. And they're going to be able to disclose this information away to you through a document that they're going to give to you. And disclosure is just a poor way of trying to get to a standard of care that is in the client's best interest. So, you know, I, I read a lot about it this week. There were a, a number of people who wrote about it. Bob Veras, who's a consultant in San Diego, wrote a, wrote a statement I thought was great. He said, from a consumer protection standpoint, disclosures are a terrible substitute for actually being required to treat your client the way you would treat your mother. And I thought that was pretty interesting because it's right. I mean, if you're just disclosing away a conflict, as we've said on the air numbers of times during the evolution of this rule, disclosure does not eliminate the conflict. So we are still stuck with some of those problems. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll certainly keep bringing our listeners up to date as that proposal goes through the uh, process over the next 90 days. It is Money Talk for the 21st. Dave Spano, thank you very much. Thank you, Danny. Mark Oswald, have a good day, guys. Great weekend. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the host.